You are listening to The Cult Radio. You are listening to The Cult Radio Episode 1, where you will be formally introduced to me, Unsugarcoated Life, and my trusty co-host, Low Impact. Our candid and raw interview of each other will help you discover a little more about what makes us tick, but most importantly, will bring our intention to life. We're on a mission here, and it's to help you love the aspirational modern life with a focus on food, sex, health, relationships, and of course, a little magic. Welcome to The Cult Radio. I'm Unsugarcoated Life, and my co-host is... Low Impact. And we're here to help you live out a modern human experience. And not just any experience, but the one that you truly aspire to live. We found in our own lives that to truly live out this focused and aspirational human experience, we needed to reframe our thoughts and patterns when it came to relationships and the way we are, like our sex lives, how to play, what we ate, and even our own environments that we lived in. Our guests come from around the world and are focused on these shifts in their own fields. I wanna give you a little teaser right now on our upcoming guests. So here's the lineup. We have an international dating coach. He is famous for helping women specifically. His name is Harvey Hook. We have a self-defense and safety expert, Peter Johnson of Archway Defense. And we have one of the original biohacking couples, Bruce and Judy McKeeman of Summit to Sea, who have pioneered the hyperbaric oxygen therapy scene by working hand in hand with the one, the only Dr. Harsh, the world-renowned doctor in hyperbaric, hyperbaric oxygen treatments. Now I wanna share with you a story about my co-host right here, Low Impact, and who better to share than Low Impact himself. Low Impact, tell everyone really who you are and how did you get that name? Low Impact was something that we've talked about before in our approach to helping individuals and it was always about finding the low hanging fruit, right? And so one of those things that I thought of, every time I work with somebody, it's always like they wanna try out and do the hardest things, they wanna add so much crap into their schedules that it becomes overwhelming. And then they're like the 96% of individuals that fail from a New Year's resolution. So it came into play um, just kind of very organically. You know, low impact, maximum expression. What things that we can add in our day, 1% day by day, that will give you that 365 degree turnaround, right? shift your life so does that help does that make sense to you it does I feel like most people's approaches are all the things you can add and do better and become in your lives and I think your approach is really unique where you're not necessarily deleting but you are rethinking 
what's accessible to you and how to do that 1% a day. Yeah, I think it is deleting. It is taking away, right? And so that's what I found through my life. Um, There were so many things that I grew up with that were not, and I think everybody goes through this, they were not my own, right? The beliefs that my parents had, the beliefs that uh, my divorced parents had um, about themselves or about one another or about their their surroundings and their pasts um, pertaining to religion, pertaining to food, pertaining to society. And as I've aged and now that we have kids, is how can I teach them to use their own brains to figure these things out, you know? Um, I grew up in a small West Texas town, uh, transplanted there from Iowa, so the ideas were totally different as far as religion goes. I mean, I went from one Catholic environment to another one. (laughs) I left a very um, conservative Midwestern Catholic environment and ended up in a very conservative Hispanic Catholic environment, you know, and so what a shift that was and to go there with a single mother, you know, where, you know, at that time frame when I was a kid that a single mother was looked down upon, right? I mean, very like demeaned in a way. And uh, then I was like one of the only white kids growing up in a 98% Hispanic community. Uh, What a shift that was. And then in a community where football was king and I had multiple concussions that totally changed my physiology and psychology, I guess. And then uh, moving back to the Midwest and meeting you and then going through just a whole gamut of things in my health. Um, You know, and we're going to be very candid on this, and I'm going to be open with you, is uh, the concussions led to a lot of things and a lot of traumas that I'd never expected to happen. And I dug up or uncovered a lot of trauma in my life. Um, Walking through addiction to alcohol and drugs, um, an eating disorder, and mental disorder, I guess you could call it. Uh, most people are suffering from that nowadays because it's an environmental issue. I just read any uh, article that's out there right now that has to do with uh, the violence in our communities. So, you know, we want to use our, or I specifically want to use my past and what I've done to change my patterning and to better myself to help everybody on this podcast or that listens to it. And that's why we've really reached out to some of these individuals to have them share the most profound things that they've been able to um, change on their own, right? A lot of them didn't use an expert. They became the expert because they wanted to change their health. So you have done a lot of different things in your life, and I think that will help everyone understand where you've come from, not just your childhood and your past, but all of the hats you've worn, and you've really become the expert in multiple fields in your life. Walk me through that. Walk our listeners through that. What are all the hats you've worn? (laughs) Well, uh, leaving high school, really didn't know what I wanted to do. 
but went to uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, and to New Mexico State University, and I really wanted to be a veterinarian. So I went through a year of veterinary med school and ostracized myself from people and excluded myself into a small camper, and then, you know, emotionally that wrecked me, so I left. I gave up on that, and I went back to Texas, and I went to bartending school. That was a waste of my money and time. Not really. I mean, nothing is a waste. You learn. You can make a really great drink. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I can make a lot of really great drinks. That that became a downfall later in life. Um, But then, from there, I went up to Iowa. Back to Iowa, I should say. And where I met you. And I worked under my uncle at a bakery. And then I met... a really fantastic chef, Robin Hernandez, and I were we should interview him. I worked under him at the Hotel Winnishik for years, and then he pushed us, or I guess guided me into going to culinary arts, where we went out to Las Vegas, and from there we went to UNLV. And a short time in, the same thing was my MO. I was like, screw this, I'm not going to do it, I already know it all. I got through two years of culinary arts, and just started to work because it became more lucrative for me from there i i managed a farmer's market um so that was interesting was in retail we came back to iowa with you and oh while we were in las vegas we both went to to um massage therapy school so we both have massage degrees and then back to iowa to start a spa and work as a chef and ran a couple restaurants and ran a couple of colleges as the executive chef there and then was also personal training at that time still and but was also really going through a hard time emotionally and physically you know especially with depression anxiety alcohol abuse and you know that didn't serve me well but it did in a way you know, it just started learning and recognizing patterns and want to change. And uh, stepping out of the culinary arts, went into um, physical training full time and biohacking, if you will, before it was a thing. It was like 14 years ago when paleo really hadn't hit the scenes yet. It was right on the cusp when CrossFit was using it as a key phrase or term to get people to buy in to their ideas. Uh, at least that's from my opinion but it was a great thing I mean it changed my entire life it changed my health and it changed my brain and it set me on this pathway so I've done multiple more things after that but I think right now my passion is helping people change their environment and their health and a lot of times that starts with physical movement but there's more things that I think are imperative to change that dynamic of your health, and they'll start in your environment. So now that's our shift. I think a lot of your friends and family still see you as Chef Nick, and then Chef Nick that has turned into Paleo Chef Nick that has turned into Ancestral Primal Keto Paleo Chef Nick that has turned into Biohacking crazy man that's turned into lover of the 
exploration of environment to where you are today, where you're really encompassing all of this. Now you had a little, um, I shouldn't say little, it was a very big part of your life where you were nationally recognized and televised as an obstacle course racer. I think that's a little thing that's important to talk about because that was, you self-trained and again, taught yourself what you needed to know to become the best in something. How did you do that? One of my clients has a, a great term, and this is a term that's anybody that's self-taught, and he's like, you're a true autodidact. You know, I, if there's something that I see that I've wanted to learn, um, if I can apply it into my life and it makes sense, and it brings me great pleasure, then I dig into it. Um, the biggest thing to getting started into the obstacle course racing arena was a shift in our marriage and a shift in our life. And something that I needed to really change was my focus on how I approached life. And so that's how I got into it. I mean, it was... 180 degree turn I needed to do something different I needed to do something that could curb my anger right something that could feed my brain fix my brain help me to get out all these emotions that I couldn't yet really verbalize and so that's how I got into it, and that's how I started training myself. Just from the background of all the things I already knew, I was training kids in high school for Olympic powerlifting, so I already knew that. I had a great coach and trainer that taught me that, and I was training people in kettlebells before this, but it was just a great shift, and I just understand how my understood, excuse me, how my body worked, and I understood what I needed to do to make it better, and a little bit of just purely I'm going to push myself as hard as I possibly can because I can and I need to and so it was this urge to do that you know and then I think the biggest aspect of that changed my life and changed that what it changed my health and uh I, I started doing it what at 31 years old Mm -hmm. And that was a big thing. And I was racing kids that were 18, 19, and some of the guys that are in their 40s and 50s. And the guys in their 40s and 50s are the ones that handed it to me at the beginning. you know. But it was a really big realization when I came in 18th place in my very first race that if I did something dramatic and I trained for this, that I could be really good at it. And you were first place time after time. I think four years I was in the top three for the circuits that I ran, mm -hmm. you know, raised some really amazing competitors that are actually racing right now still mm -hmm. in the Spartan series. Uh, so one actually that won the OCR world championship last year. So I ran with great people and I always thought, you know, <laughs> coaches always told me in high school was if you want to fly with eagles, you can't run with turkeys. Right, so that to me meant also like the quality of people you were with and their mentality, but it also meant to me don't train with people you can beat, train with people that you can never catch. 
because then you're going to get better. And so that's what I just did. And I never gave in to the mindset that, oh, this is good enough. It was, no, this is not good enough. Get better. Figure it out. And I kept journal after journal, calendar after calendar, understood what food did to my body, understood what understood what sleep and time did to my body. So I was my own self-experiment. And it turned out really amazing. So, And it has served me well to this day. I think that's where you can really come from this approach to reach down and coach and help other people. And people come to you left and right to seek guidance on all sorts of things, which is another accolade, I guess, in my opinion. But do you feel like you are truly living the aspirational modern life. What does that even mean to you? Well, I really don't want to live a modern life. <laughs> uh, you know me, I'd rather live in a yurt. But I am now trying to see and trying to apply the things that are ancestral and that will protect me living in this modern life and aspire to teach other people how to do that, how to step backwards and still live in this environment, right? What do I always tell everybody? We are very paleolithic people living in a neo-mammalian world. That means like our bacteria is old and we're living in this like really advanced society for our bacteria and how do we protect it and keep it safe so we live long just like Asprey wants to live to 180 you know I aspire to live a really long time uh, and I, I do that in the household with you guys like how do I teach you that that is like beating your head against a brick wall but your family will be always the ones that push back against you but it's one of the best rewards to see you guys apply it That is how I'm aspiring to change, to live this modern life, is to, I guess I see myself as a protector, mm -hmm. right, and a warrior, and so if this warrior can teach other people to do these things, then, then you have this tribe of really strong, healthy individuals that share the ideas, share the love, share just the energy to do something different to live outside of the box and i think so often in society we've put ourselves into a box you know you're catholic you got to do this you're uh white you have to live this way you're you know a white female a white male black male black female i mean you have to be in this box you live in the midwest and you live in this area which is very predominantly affluent you have to have all the same shit that this individual has. And we beat ourselves over and over and over to get things and have stuff and feel a certain way that's really not true or authentic to ourselves. I think it does really come back to authenticity because for a lot of people that I've talked to living and aspiring to live that perfect modern life has a certain way of looking at relationships, has a certain way of 
looking at what is a vibrant sex life. It has a certain way of looking at the house you should live in, your environment, and it's not always maybe what will serve you best, but it does look a lot to the social norms, and that's where we're really trying to debunk and peel back the layers to get to what is a great sex life, what is a great relationship, and it might not be what you think it is. What is, you know, let's let's transition because you've been doing a really great job at interviewing me. And now I think everybody out there wants to know a little bit about you because the people that do know me, I am crazy. <laughs> I'm out there. but And you seem to be, to them, that rock-solid individual that's straight-laced, right? I'm covered in tattoos from head to toe. You have zero. Right, and our families are totally different as well. I come from a, like, the quote unquote broken home, you know. Parents are divorced. You come from a family that's, the, your parents have been married for, how many years now? And they their parents stayed married. Their parents stayed married. I mean, it was really interesting, the dynamic. So, share, it with the audience where you came from where you grew up and why you think that's formed you today and how you want to shift that now well I came from a midwestern small town you know farm farm girl culture and you're right there was no divorce in my family there, I guess growing up I thought there were two religions in the whole world and one was Lutheran and one was Catholic. <laughs> and that's just the town I grew up in. And I wouldn't say I was sheltered, although it certainly sounds like I was. But I was always stuck in my mind from the day I can remember my, you know, my first memory up until now even as just being a dreamer, a creative, in my own space, head in the clouds dreamer and it's been really quite a challenge for me um, to stay grounded throughout life but not really realizing that until recently and there was never fighting or yelling in my home there weren't a lot of challenges I didn't have to do a lot of work it was just what you think as a beautiful wonderful childhood and and I think that's formed a lot of the way I see things today, the way I parent, the way I strive to have freedom and creativity and beauty and love in my life today. Um, most people say I'm kind or sweet or easygoing or easy to talk to, and I think there's different, deeper, darker layers of wanting to swear, wanting to have some rebellion, um, kind of that mix, since everything's been so perfect all the way through. Would you th agree, or you could disagree, it's fine, that you did a lot of that out of the context, this is how a female should act, and this is how my parents 
expect me to act and this is the way I'm going to act because of those parameters? I don't think I've ever wanted to disappoint anybody, no matter what the context. So I think that does go back to my parents and I never wanted to disappoint them, but that's how I thought things should be, right? So so swearing again, I, we didn't swear, we didn't even say the word but. We would say bottom. Like even as an adult, I say sit on your bottom. Sometimes and not like but because that's kind of vulgar, right? But it's not. It's not vulgar, but, but it was. So if my friends came over, you know, I would coach them and protect them and say you can't swear and you can't say crap and you can't. Well, now I say fucking shit all the time, you know? You would have melted in our home. I would. And so I think there was a lot of protection. I built a lot of structures of boundary and resistance to conflict in my own life. So how did all that now motivate you to change? Well, I've definitely reframed a lot of that. If you've talked to me, you'll know, or if you've seen any of my content online, it's very different than I grew up. And I'm not um, pushing to be different or you know, trying to be something I not, I'm not. I think it's a more authentic version of having more emotion, of understanding all emotions, and just being out there and being raw. There's no reason to protect or prevent conflict. It takes too much energy. Knowing that and and hearing that right now, how do you want to raise your children and what are you doing now that's different than your parents to raise your children? Emotionally, physically... Um, in love, in the context of religion and faith? It's really different. It's really different because we've explored a lot of different faiths and a lot of different um, rules when it comes to life. And I feel like I still want to give them everything and I'm not saying anything is good or bad because that is just the context, right? It's something to someone is going to be good and it's going to be bad to someone else no matter what it is. So it's not about being good or bad, but I want to be more open with them and feel like I have been. We talk about sex as a family. We talk about relationships. We recently had a breakup with a teenager in the household and we talked about it very candidly and openly and using some of my own experiences and maybe what I don't want him to have to go through when it comes to girls we didn't talk about that stuff growing up neither did we it was kind of shoved under the bed and when my mom found out that I had sex at 14 she flipped the F out, right? And she was like, chastised me. I can't believe you did that. And so immediately, I mean, growing up from a being a Catholic kid and 
masturbation was bad and you had to say 10 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers and then, well, you're, you know, immaculately clean and you still have this dirty context around your own body, right? right? And then the same thing with sex now with your your children is it make it taboo instead of being a beautiful thing and, and the right time thing. Um, I get that in a sense. So let me follow that up. Go ahead. I feel like growing up, we, or I thought of myself as just myself, period. And I didn't think of the oneness of all humans, which I do now. And I didn't understand or really put thought into the fact that we are infinite beings coming into this physical body for a short amount of time and then again being infinite. So it comes back to energy. And once I started understanding energy and spirituality on a different level, both scientifically and not, that began to shift for me. You segue right into something I was going to ask you anyways. Um, I used to be more of the the spiritual, this metaphysical type, and now I'm very shifted into, like, I still believe in that wholeheartedly. But I also wanted to see a little bit of data. I want to see a little bit of, like, you know, some reality into this, like, some cold, cold hard facts right like you show me that it's changed this person here's the numbers and here's where I found it it doesn't always have to be like a peer-reviewed study or anything like that but it could be just totally anecdotal which is proof in itself over time frame with a lot of people but you have really been the one that's always in that realm of energy um, and what now do you apply daily to really shift your energy into a positive space because we've gone through every trial and tribulation as a couple and as a family i mean that that's imaginable so daily when you get up because i'm big on routines what do you do to shift your energy that maybe somebody right now could take away and apply in their day I found one thing because I'm very resistant on schedules, have been very, I, I don't like schedules. I want freedom. I want, and there's no freedom in that. I'm just telling you that there's no freedom in that. It is quite chaotic, but I have spent minute after minute trying to create freedom into be my own self in my own space and do whatever the fuck I want to do. And sometimes that serves me and sometimes it doesn't. The one thing I've hung on to for years that is so simple is when I peel myself out of bed, finally, because I don't want to most days. It's just so warm. (laughs) So warm and so comfortable, I don't want to leave. But I walk or stumble to the kitchen and the first thing I do is heat up a pot of water And I'm thinking during that time. It's maybe low impact. You don't think I'm actually doing anything. But I'm thinking and creating and processing. Maybe it's a dream I had or if I don't remember that, I'm just thinking and being with, you know, myself and my energy 
as I'm making a warm drink. And that's something I have literally done for years. And I really can't do anything else until I do that. So it is a meditative practice, even though I'm not sitting and concentrating, it's something that allows me to do whatever that next thing is in that day. So untrigger-coded is very unregimented, <laughs> and I'm very regimented. Specifically, what she was speaking to is something that I've been trying to drive home with all my clients and with her as well and my kids is chronotyping and what is the best time to do something in a day that's going to give you the maximum expression right so that's one thing that we're working on together is I've been the type A personality very regimented as a chef that's what I had to do I had a standard operating procedure in my day-to-day um, lineup of events and time was very strict to get all the things that I needed to do done. Now that said, when you're in an environment or you're working with a loved one, it's very, this is my two cents, right? This is, it's very easy to push your agenda on top of them and to have resentment. Now, it's also just as easy for you to back off and say, okay, and then you both really are impacted, right, in a negative manner because you didn't really realize your patterns as individuals impact the patterns of your household, your success, and the way you create money and abundance, the way you create health, and the way you create energy within your home. So that's one of those things that we have seen in our patterning over our 18 years of marriage has been detrimental. You do this, I do that, and we're, oh, everything will be copacetic and it'll work out, right? So question to you, giving up a little bit of your structure and allowing yourself to take on some of my structure has that given you insight into perhaps my passions perhaps my ideals more when I speak them out to you that now I kind of get what he's saying or now I kind of get where this could be beneficial for myself or families or friends or clients? Yes, yes. Most recently, yes. I was in a very negative feedback loop within my own mind for a number of years. And it started with a bit of rebellion. I think it started with wanting to do the opposite of anything and everything you ever said because I felt like you were controlling at one point in our past and so I didn't realize I was doing this but I would do the opposite or if you spoke something out sometimes those things happened right like I'm in a socket to you but I didn't realize that at the time so then I shifted to this I'm gonna do everything to not make low-impact mad phase where it was very controlling 
but you weren't trying to control it. Then the voice in my head that said you wanted something done a certain way, I would listen to that voice and it was controlling my own self. So there was this negative feedback loop of expectations I thought you had, which you never said, but I invented those. So then I shifted into, I want to say this third phase where I was trying to come back to myself, lose the schedule, lose the, you know, release everything else and try to just understand who I am phase, which has been great and has allowed me to now let you actually help me with some of these things, like environment, with sleep, with constructing a schedule, and they're not things that you're trying to control in me, you're trying to help me, which you probably were trying to do all along. Yeah, right? It's my whole aspiration in life, and anybody that you speak with will confirm that, is that I've wanted to help people, not control people. And it's very different in a dynamic of a marriage or a relationship where it says, you know, this dude is or this gal is really like forcing something upon me that can be the case totally um some guys are really dicks and some women are you know resting bitch face completely all the time and they treat their families like crap and it's just it's just the way it is sometimes but understanding the impact of what we're trying to do is creating a tribe within our own tribe right now and it was always out of love and it was the context sometimes would be skewed because of my physical and emotional state that was altered right by either stress from the jobs that I was in or altered by medications that I was on mixed with alcohol you know and drugs it was a vicious cycle and we both became shrapnel in it i think something really beautiful that's going to come out of the guests we have lined up so far are really they're going to help you deal with your shit in maybe a new light and everything that we're talking about here sex relationships food and how you eat environment all these things really play into each other. They're not separate. And we've shifted a lot of the ways we think about these things and they all matter. And we're open to talking about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the biggest things that has been impactful for us recently is understanding when this negative feedback loop happened or when it occurred and generally speaking and these are my, not my own words but zero to seven years old is whenever you experience these things that are not your own right your id is impacted by external environmental things when you are in utero uh, such as energies of your parents energies in your environment um, that may not have been your parents um, but getting out of that your relationship with money your relationship around being good or bad you know how you were reprimanded they all form you into a person who you are now and they formed you into that person you are now and you don't have to be that way which is super cool 
It took us forever to figure that out, and we're teaching our children that right now. Is you know you don't have to be like your mom and your dad. Things don't have to be this way. We want to show you the best way that we know how. And there's no freaking owner's manual on how to do that. But here's the best advice that we can give you. You formulate your opinion. You use the wonderful brain that you have to do that. And that's a whole idea like you just said is we're going to bring these people on that can give you maybe a piece of information that you've been looking for and you just didn't know that you needed to put it in your life. I mean, uh, we'll just speak about Bruce and Judy McKeeman with the HBOT. You know, they walked into our studio um, and they were connected to us through another client and the hyperbaric chamber came into my life at the most, at the perfect time, perfect storm with HPA dysfunction, which is a adrenal issue. And I used this thing and it literally changed my life. And I didn't know that it would impact all of the trauma that I had from the past around uh, head injuries with concussions or TBIs. And it totally dramatically changed that. And that was actually one of the pieces that led uh, me onto this emotional change in the last two years my whole focus has not been on my body it's been on my brain and that's been a it's been very hard for you you know and it's been very hard for our family but to see a guy go from being a roller coaster to being mainline that's freaky as fuck for you guys and I get that because dramatic shift 180 degrees so that's our hope is that maybe this individual maybe you're scared to go outside right you're scared of what our society is doing and they're attacking people and so you need to listen to peter johnson from archway defense understanding that you if you're an uber aware person doesn't mean you're scared but you have tools to impact your life to keep you safe to be aware those things that we no longer have are selection pressures that you're going to be attacked by a lion, right? Now you could be attacked by some loon with a freaking knife or a gun or truck, whatever it is, right? It's not one specific thing, but it's the environment that's impacting it. Well, and, and going from that to Harvey Hook, the international dating coach that helps women and men, but primarily focuses on women and how to help them either stay in their relationship or give their lover space that they need all the way to how to attract and get out of a pattern of maybe attracting the wrong mate, right? Or maybe how do you tell your spouse or significant other that you want to be really freaky in bed or you need three orgasms or... You know, how does how does this work in relationships? How do you talk? How do you act? That might be the missing link for you. <laughs> Sweetie, I'm into pegging. Can you get me a Sivian? <laughs> so you, some of you now are going to look that up. <laughs> but, you know, we have other individuals that will actually interview about those things. You know, one of those contexts that we're talking about is society. And that context of who you think you have to be within that society because you're being judged. 
Yeah. Even in your own relationship. In your own relationship. And who where did that context come from? Right. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot that we will be talking about when it comes to sex because so many people aren't. Right. You know, and and it doesn't have to just be in a bed. You can be anywhere and everywhere mm-hmm. and crazy and wild and yep. there's lots there's lots of juicy things we're gonna uncover here. Some of the most exciting things that we'll uncover have to deal with food, which are my favorite, being a chef, being that individual that I was a latchkey kid, right? So I had to create my meals and I had to create those things. So from the very beginning, my drive was nutrition. My drive was food, which is a very, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and any hierarchy of need is first you have to feed yourself to survive. So I'll have some other cool guests on like Dr. Sean O'Mara. We will have uh, some other cool chefs on, and they, you'll see just these conversations. A lot of things can be discussed over a dinner table, and a lot of things are, and a lot of things are hashed out and changed or aggravated, right? But what keeps cultures together, too, is food and traditions and tr- um, being tribal. Like, Just look into kosher laws. Look into the Shabbat. I mean, it's amazing what you will see that is just revolves around eating. Wrapping things up for our listeners, what is one tradition or discipline that you do still keep with you to this day? From a child? From from anything. Maybe it's a new tradition. Maybe it's maybe it doesn't go back that far. But what is something that you do keep to this day? Well, to this day, and they've all shifted, I mean, dramatically from a child to now. And But one thing that I do is consistent bedtimes, consistent ra- uh, rising times. Uh, and I guess it would be consistent movement because I know that there's that body uh, and brain connection that a lot of people are not getting and you can access your body through your brain or you can access your brain through your body in my opinion and some of us need that movement you know I was actually speaking with somebody about this last night right and there's three thought processes and one of those is kinesthetics and we're getting through movement we're getting feedback from our environment that's impacting us emotionally and I think movement 100% to this day since I was a kid is something I'll do and never quit doing it saved my life emotionally and it saved my life physically so that's one thing what about you you guys I'm not crazy I'm not crazy I have always believed in magic. Period. <laughs> but I think anytime you think of knowing uh, about light, whether that is God to you or universe or energy, whatever that means to you, I think everyone inherently knows that there is light or there is God. And when you say you're going to pray or prayer, say a prayer, you know inherently that that you're looking at a space that's around you but maybe not within you and that's something that I've always known 
and hat. And and it really has a lot to do with, with magic and believing in energy and believing that I can attract, and I do attract what I want. And sometimes it comes in perfectly and instantly and sometimes it comes in and I'm like, oh, fuck, I asked for that. It's a little different than I thought, but it's still exactly what I said, so I need to ask better questions to the universe. Totally. Well, guys, that is it for this very first episode of The Cult Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Low Impact. And Unsugarcoated Life. Today, just go out there and build a tribe. Start in your house and then expand on that. Bring people into your life that bring you happiness, abundance, and peace. So here's to your health. Listen again for all the goodness.